Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Spilled a lot of words the first two hours, but those words from J. Will, I continue to hear them, and they continue to be the most impactful. They're taking on an opponent that there's no game plan for, and you never know when it may show up on your schedule. You think you're fine, you're infected, the team you just played the previous weekend is worried. It's amazing. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Sports no different than society here. We are all impacted. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. In four minutes, we will speak to Tom Rinaldi, who was Mm. in the room when 68-year-old Nick Saban found out he had the coronavirus. We will talk to Tom about everything that went down and any sort of perspective that he has Moving forward, a quick reminder, we're brought to you by DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app and use code KJZ to get a free shot at millions of dollars up for grabs this week with your first deposit. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Fellas, when I watch College Game Day, the program that Tom is a part of, and we'll have Tom here in just about three and a half minutes, one thing you always see when they do these stories and get this incredible access, Nick Saban is not a CEO. He is not a delegator. He is a defensive back and a defensive backs coach by trade. When I watch some of these practices, 68-year-old Nick Saban or in previous years, he is out there with the DBs, moving his hips, running around, touching guys, making sure that he's involved on an intimate level. And key, considering the news that we possibly heard today with the caveat that the entire Alabama team will be tested today and Coach Saban is asymptomatic, he's a guy that's getting right in there with his dudes. No, but and I would think that out of all coaches, Nick Saban would be the one that would make sure that his entire program is safe and healthy. I mean, that, that that's just I, I would assume that, right? I mean, that's well, Keith, can I t- being safe? That is an illusion with COVID. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. saying I'm talking about him being yeah, in close proximity with those guys out there coaching them up that he would have on his mask and do all of the well, sort of things that it necessary from a protocol standpoint to make sure that nobody is going, that he's not transmitting anything to anyone else. We all know that that necessary, you do all you want to, it doesn't mean anything. I, I just, I, you know, I just want to make sure that we specify, like these protocols are in place, but we still don't have all the data that supports everything. Right. So like, yes, I mean, even at the end of the game, him going up to, um, it was Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin at the end of the game. Like, that's not six feet no, they were distance, not. right? They were not six feet apart. No, like, they were not. So it's like you have all these nuances that happen because they get lost in the rituals of the game. And I, I don't want to look past the opportunity. You know, if he, if he was asymptomatic and if he didn't know he had it and he felt good, this goes back to contact tracing. And, you know, Zubin, you talk about the intimacy of how he teaches defense. Are we thinking that, you know, he wasn't around players? No, no, Of course, no, like what proximity no. was he to players? No, not at all. That's, so why Zubin, that's why Zubin came out by saying that he's hands-on. He's so hands-on that this game is going to be different if Steve, Sark- Sark- Steve Sarkeesian has to coach it. And the reason it's going to be different is because Nick Saban is so hands-on. He makes all the adjustments. You, If it's whether we're going to go for an onside kick, who to put in and out of the game, whether or not – we want to kick a field goal right now. That's his decisions. It, he makes that decision. It's not the special teams coach. It's not Steve Sarkeesian, the defensive coordinator, making those decisions on what to do. They may ask Nick, and then Nick at the end will say, this is what we're going to do. He is a coach that, out of all coaches in college football or pros, he's the one guy who controls everything, as you would say, from A to Z. to Z, period. I've had the opportunity to be around him. He was recruiting my son. 
I sat in his office and in talking to him, I felt like I was being recruited. It was, it was, you know, it was one of those deals where the Godfather is speaking. Oh, yeah. You better listen. I, I hope we're going to have a game, but I do not believe that we are going to have a game on Saturday. Well, we can certainly ask Tom Rinaldi who will be joining us. He is here once again. Saban, asymptomatic. The entire program will be tested. Today, the college football playoff has been around six years. Alabama made it the first five. There aren't many people in the media that are very close to Nick Saban. He plays it close to the vest. But if you've watched the playoffs the first five years, you always see our next guest right there with Nick Saban every step of the way. And he is Tom Rinaldi. He joins us on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line brought to you by Shell V Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline. Tom, good morning. I would hope you could start with just essentially setting the scene minute by minute, being with Coach Saban yesterday, what you guys were doing up until the moment he got the news he did. Well, good, good morning, Zubin. We were in Tuscaloosa and in the football building uh, to do interviews for college game day, as, as we typically do. We speak to players about the upcoming matchup. We speak to the head coach. And if there are feature elements for the show, we ask questions regarding those as well. Uh, I was with Coach Saban yesterday around noontime, masked, socially distant. I was about 12 feet away from him during the interview. The only time I was around him that he was unmasked was to conduct that interview. But there was no one probably closer than... 15 feet or 12 feet to him during that time. After the interview concluded, he put his mask back on. He asked me to come back toward the office with him. I spent a little time with his secretary, Linda, and then I went into his office that Key just referred to. I'm sure Key's aware there's a large staff room adjacent to that office. I then went into the staff room and sat down with him to catch up a little bit. Again, he was masked, I was masked, socially distant. And during that chat, Head athletic trainer Jeff Allen opened the door, said hello, but said to Coach Saban, I need to speak to you right away, right now. Mm. And Coach stood up, left the room. I stayed in there with another Alabama staff member. And a few moments later, the door opened again. Coach Saban did not come in. He said goodbye. He said, I'm sorry, but I have to go. And a short time later, I mean very shortly, Zubin, he was out of the building. He left almost immediately. A short time after that, I was informed that he had tested positive. The reason that that information was shared with me was because I had been around him, obviously, for you know the last, let's say, 30 minutes or so. But again, as the, CZ, as the CDC would define it, masked and socially distant from him the entire time. Tom, how is Coach Saban doing right now? He's up and at it, Kean. As you said, uh, I know you've spent time around him, uh, both in, in the recruitment phase and other phases as well. He is going to follow his routine exactly as if he were going to the office. The only thing that will be different for him is he won't actually make the 15-minute commute from home to the football building. And he said that on a Zoom call with the media yesterday. All the things that he would do on a Thursday, beginning with reviewing the defense-on-defense defense practice tape from yesterday – That's how he will begin after his initial staff meeting in the morning. He'll conduct that over Zoom. When the team practices, he'll be patched into a video feed. An assistant will have a phone up so that if there's a play he wants to be redone or reviewed, the the unit that he's looking at at that time will do it. Now, there's still a difference between someone being present in person and not. But he's going to follow every piece of his routine as best as he can 
while he's 15, 20 minutes away at his home. With news like this and the outbreak at Florida, how do you foresee the rest of college football season going? Will we get through this? Key, you know, if we take a step back, it's a great question, and I think it echoes what, what Jay has said often. Somehow we think that the institutions that we love or the parts of our lives that we're invested in will remain immune, and it's just not the case. And here, this pandemic has touched the SEC perhaps more forcefully than it has in any other week up to this point. But we, we remain surprised when it happens, but I'm not exactly certain why. The protocols, which will now kick into place, which Alabama has already had in place, essentially, beyond the SEC-mandated protocols, and I have protocols, and I think this is important, is every member in the program will be tested today, given the fact that Saban and Athletic Director Greg Byrne have tested positive. But Alabama's already been doing that beyond the SEC-mandated testing protocols since September. So this is something that the, the players are used to and the staff is used to. But with the head coach now having tested positive, given what Zubin said about how closely he works with players, obviously there's going to be a lot of people who want to see how these PCR tests come back. Tom, how are you feeling, man? Thanks for asking, Jay. I appreciate you. Um, I feel fine. And I, I think that if anything were to manifest, it typically wouldn't be this quick. But as the CDC defines it, as our own companies defines protocol, I'm not described as having been in close contact by those definitions with Coach Saban. Uh, I have been tested, Jay, since August 1st, 15 times. Mm. And that's because mm. I've done the PGA Championship. I've done the U.S. Open Tennis. I've been tested every time I've traveled upon return home for the peace of mind for our family, as well as the peace of mind for anyone else who I might come into contact with moving forward. I will be tested again today. I'll be tested tomorrow. So it, it, it's become a very common part of, of my life since, since this has happened. Good, man. That makes me happy. Um, what, what, what's currently, Tom, the status of the game? Uh, what, what, are we, what are we thinking about how we're going to move forward with that? I think a lot of that hangs in the balance, of course, when we see what happens with testing over the next several days here uh, in the Alabama program. Again, it, these are protocols which have already been in place. The SEC having mandated three-day-a-week uh, uh, testing protocols, but Alabama having gone beyond that here for you know the last month and a half. When those results be, begin to come back, I think that will be the determining factor. In terms of the division of labor and Steve Sarkeesian, of course, a head coach at Washington, a head coach at USC, he'll be handling the preparations and everything in the building. But Coach Saban will be as connected and as much a part of the preparation as he can, I would presume, up until game time. Mm. You have a question here about Sarkeesian you wanted to get to? No, Tom, Tom got to it. Tom, Tom answered it. Perfect. I, I have a quick question for I, Tom. Tom, if you failed to mention this, I'm sorry if I did not hear you. But so Nick actually got he contracted COVID. He got actually they came uh, out and said that while you were with him. Do you know the last time he was tested before that? And it, was there a gap between the last time he was tested and the time he was around the players? No, there would have been no gap between the time of the test, which was Wednesday morning, Jay, 
and him then finding out just a couple of hours later that they were able to get results back that quickly before that though Tom, before that though so obviously he was positive before that when was his last test before that wednesday it would have been the day before okay it would have been the day before which had come back negative this is the first positive test again jeff allen the head athletic trainer he's the one who came in and told coach beckoning him to leave the room so just to be clear, I certainly wasn't there when Jeff Allen told Coach Saban uh, to, to see his reaction. I was then informed afterward and after Saban had already left the building, which was very quickly after he'd been informed. Wow. Very interesting. Minute by minute reporting there from Tom Rinaldi. We want to mention, Tom did mention that Saban's boss, athletic director, Greg Byrne, uh, also is stricken with the coronavirus. He took to social media in August and tweeted this, and it sounds pretty prophetic. Who wants college sports this fall? We've got to do better than this for each other and our campus community. Please wear your masks. Tom, thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks, Tom. Thank, thanks, guys. Uh-huh. One thing I want to quickly wow. mention here. That fast, Zubin. Yeah. So Tuesday, negative. Wednesday, positive. That quick. You certainly still need a second Negative test. That's the whole thing. Whether it was Cam Newton in the NFL, whether it's Nick Saban, two negatives is what you need to essentially feel good in and around people because mm-hmm. of the efficacy or the efficiency of the test. I want to mention, Tom, I had spoken to him a few years ago. This is a guy that spends more than 200 days a year on the road. He mentioned the PGA Championship, the U.S. Open, yeah. college football. He does these brilliant feature stories for ESPN. So that's a guy that is as vigilant as anyone out there. All right, so what do you think after hearing from Tom? He had the inside scoop. Do you feel any differently after hearing from some of the details that Tom Rinaldi passed along? Uh, differently about what, though? Like just the, the, the way things are shaping up, the, if they're going to play the game. I mean, he said a lot there. I think, you know, one thing is as long as Coach Saban is healthy, that's number one, right? At, that, at 68 years old, you want to make sure that he's healthy. In terms of the game, they're going to play the game if everybody checks out fine, nothing's wrong, they're going to get that game in. And I think Coach Saban would probably prefer to move that game to the end so he could be a part of it in coaching his team. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian, as Tom mentioned, has been a head coach at USC in Washington before, so he certainly knows how to game plan, to do certain things, to get the team ready. But it's not the same as having Nick Saban, somebody who's been – in your ear from day one. Now, all of a sudden, he's not on the sideline. So you're going to see a big difference if they play the game on the way that Alabama plays. At least I think so. If Greg Byrne has it and Nick Saban has it, I would be shocked if no other Alabama player has it. I hope I am shocked. I just don't know how it can happen. So so Tuesday you were negative, worked out with your team, proximity with your players, Wednesday, you're positive. Just to think that that then would then translate to Thursday, everybody be negative. It, that, it just leaves so many questions looming in your mind about how all this stuff works. And then their last opponent, Ole Miss, now is having a positive COVID nineteen issue. They were seen playing against it. it just this is kind of like this is where you wish there was just a gap for a minute, even from a safety precautionary perspective, just to take a beat. To say, okay, let's just make sure and have six or seven or eight days that we are sure that nobody has it, that we have continuous testing 
And if that means move the game back to December 12th, I'd much rather see that happen than us just try to go ahead and play. And then all of a sudden, you know, somebody from Georgia may have it. And then you're finding out other players from Alabama may have it. It's just. Well, Florida, Florida obviously postponed their game because they had a major outbreak, right? 19 I mean, guys. 19 guys. So of people. One person. And then a few hours later, boom, everybody right. else started popping up with this test. Now, maybe at 8 o'clock in the morning right now, we don't know the results of anybody at Alabama other than Coach Saban. Maybe by the afternoon, we'll know more, and then that'll give some clarity on whether or not they're going to play the game on Saturday. I have to ask you a question, Keith. What's wrong with just moving the game to December 12th? Nothing, but they... I, I understand there's such a sense of urgency because everybody's you looking for it. You know man. I know, but I, I, get this, different, and I get this. Look, you deal with a different conference in a different region of the country. I spend a lot of my time down in the southeast. I have a home in North Carolina. A lot of my friends live in Alabama. My friends live in South Carolina. I understand that. And I know that they are diehard about football, about college football. I get that. Like I just told you, my whole Saturday was built around watching this game. But ultimately, in the big scheme of things, why just not be safe and move the game back to December 12th and make sure that there is a consistency in testing that people are, are negative for the next week? The and only they, answer, go ahead, Keith. No, I was going to say, they may do that. They may be having that conversation right now. But, but as you said, you know that region of the country and the way they operate. So this is why we're still having a conversation <laughs> in – it hasn't been counseled yet because they're trying to figure out how they can still have kickoff against Georgia. Two well, versus postponed and two, canceled are two, two different things. Two versus three. I understand. That's what that's what I, it is. I would just say from a logistical standpoint, the real issue is that the SEC just baked in one bye week. So if a team happens to miss a second game for any other reason, then they don't have the ability to make that up. Remember, the college football playoff is unveiling its four teams on December 20th. So the SEC has got to play their championship game before that. So they're going to play the day before. I mean, they are going back to the hilt. They're going to play it on the 19th. They've only got one week to do makeup games. So if another team... That is stricken Florida, Vanderbilt, Missouri, Georgia, Alabama. If they happen to miss a second game, there's nowhere in the calendar to make that up. That's why I think they no, have to try, no, they're gonna try to go Saturday. And, and, you, and you're talking practical, though, Jay Will. You, you, come on, man. You're sitting around asking, why won't they just move it? Like, you got the answer. You already know why they won't move it. He just said it. They want to try to play the game. Why do they want to try to play the game? Because the SEC championship. They can't move that. So they want to try to get it in. As much as they can. They're hoping and praying like everybody else that there's no other positive test coming from the kids or anybody on campus. But much like you say, if the AD in Nick Saban has positive tests, you would certainly think, right, that some others have positive tests. If you go and you look at Cam Newton and the New England Patriots, Cam was the first, Gilmore the second. So you another guy. Practice squad guy too. Practice right? squad guy. So you you see what happened. Tennessee Titans. One guy, two guy, three guy, four, you know, more people in the building. So you will they're going to try and play this game. I'm just telling you, however they get there, they're going to try and play it. But I heard him laugh because he's saying, essentially, if we think we're in control about this and we can just hope that things get better, that's a fool's errand. Control is an illusion. I mean, I understand that we have all these safety precautions in, and you can probably use that argument against me to a degree. Um, But it just feels like we are figuring out so much about this thing on the fly. We continue to collect data and continue to come to new realizations about different things. So it just if, if, if SEC or college football or college basketball or the NFL came into this whole thing by saying, hey, there are a set amount of dates that we have to get things abided by, 
that's not the case. You understand that's an unrealistic expectation yeah, considering we're in uncharted territories. Yes. We're in unprecedented times. Yes, and you yes. got to continue to move the goalposts as you can, much like the NFL did. Everybody said, well, they keep – now all of a sudden we got a Tuesday game, Z, right? It's like Tuesday football. Tuesday night football. It worked out. It worked out. It now, did. I mean, if they need to find some other dates, they'll find them. Yeah, and even the teams that were involved, like the Bills, they still got six full days till the next game. They're doing the best they can under the circumstances. Keyshawn J. Will has been presented by Progressive Insurance. Quoting home insurance just got easier with Progressive's Home Quote Explorer. Quote and buy all online at Progressive.com. The Atlanta Braves are halfway home. Sorry, Key, to say this. Halfway home to the World Series. Yeah, please. One of the greatest players in Braves history, Chipper eh. Jones. Eh. Larry is next. He wasn't after- that good. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit... Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. There are four left. The World Series starts on Tuesday, and dare I say, dare I say that yesterday, Keys Dodgers, the 2020 Dodgers, look like the 1995 Atlanta Braves. That team, of course, (laughs) won the World Series and a member of that team and one of the best players in Atlanta Braves history is Chipper Jones. He now works for us as an ESPN baseball analyst and he joins us this morning on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. Chipper, good morning. We mentioned all morning long, he's a huge Dodger fan, so we kind of took it from the perspective of the Dodgers and how they were able to rake for 11. Being a Braves guy, on the other side, what in the world (laughs) happened in the first inning? It's deja vu all over again, guys. It happened last year uh, in an elimination game against uh, the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, you know, Mike Fultonavich couldn't stop the bleeding there in the first inning last year. Last night, it looked like uh, Kyle Wright uh, just, just it, maybe the moment was too big. I tell you this, he, he better get over it. He only threw 28 pitches last night. Probably going to come back in game five and start because the Braves just don't have any depth in the starting pitching rotation uh, to be able to match up 
Um, and hopefully they won't panic because they won the first two games. They'll be able to throw Freed and Anderson on regular rest in games six and seven. But uh, as you saw last night, the, the Dodgers offense was on full display and in full go mode. Chip, after that beatdown last night of my Dodgers against your Braves, <laughs> we, we're putting Kershaw on mm-hmm. the mound for us today after a scratching game two. What do you expect out of him? I expect a Hall of Fame performance. I mean, you're talking about, I mean, you got to feel pretty good if you're the Los Angeles Dodgers sending your Hall of Fame pitcher to the mound in game four. It's unfortunate that he was scratched in game two because now he's probably, this is probably going to be the only game he pitches, especially if he goes deep into this game and throws 100 plus pitches. Probably going to be the only time we see him in this series, which you know, kind of hurts the Dodgers going forward, game six, game seven. But uh, I'm feeling pretty comfortable waking up this morning sending Clayton Kershaw to the mound if I'm a Dodger fan going against yet another rookie for the Atlanta Braves. Don't worry, Chipper. I won't ask you a disrespectful question like he. I respect greatness in your game. I just want you to say that first and foremost. I mean, Chipper not worried about I'm that with saying, me. Okay, I'm just saying. Um, I want to, even though the Braves are up two to one, why does it feel like the Braves are chasing the Dodgers now, Chipper? Well, I think if you look at uh, this series objectively, the best team on paper is the Los Angeles Dodgers, and it, you know, um, of the teams left in this tournament. You look at the Dodgers, they are the most complete team. They have a phenomenal offense that, that doesn't just is not just relegated to the starting nine. Their bench players are outstanding as well. They have great starting pitching. They have a ton of versatility down there in the bullpen. Um, a very complete team. So, you know, I think it was more of a shock to everybody's system that the Braves came out and won the first couple games. Um, now it's kind of, you know, now that the, the, the Dodgers have kind of flexed their muscle in game three, everybody's like, okay, you know, it's back to normal. The, the Dodgers are going to take care of business. Um, you could see this series kind of flip uh, last night. The, the, the Braves are trying to, with their starting pitching, the Braves are trying to steal one of three games, game three, game four, game five. They already took the first two, but if they can steal one of these games and then bring – Freed and Anderson back in game six and game seven, if necessary. Um, I believe the Braves have the, have the upper hand, but if the, if the Dodgers take these three middle games, it's going to be, it's going to be tough on the Braves. Chipper, the cheating Astros are on their own self-made vindication tour. If they somehow, (laughs) I know, right. If they somehow figure out how to win the world series this year, is that legitimate? Do we look at that as vindication I mean, I obviously want to see Dusty Baker win one, but I want to see my Dodgers win one. Do we eliminate what happened in the past? Well, you got some problems, man. If you want the Astros and the Dodgers, to I win, know, right? Only one of them can win. Um, hey, I, I'm I'm one that will give credit to the Astros where credit is due. Um, they had a subpar. Uh, regular season. Um, I think most people would say that uh, it, it was very disappointing, but how many teams can lose a Garrett Cole to free agency, can lose a, a Justin Verlander to injury? Um, Zach Grinke hasn't been the same guy, although he was dominant last night. Um, they're doing it with guys like uh, 
guys I can't even pronounce their names, you know, Javier's guy named Javier or Kitty, you know, um, it's just, it's really been a testament to the job that, uh, that Dusty Baker has done keeping this team level headed, even killed. And then they, they were able to flip the switch once, once the playoffs got here, it's been really interesting to watch Jose Altuve with his defensive struggles. I mean, he's bringing, like I said earlier, he's bringing the bounce pass back into vogue, man, on defense. But <laughs> he is an all-star. He's a multi-time batting champ, and he's an MVP. And he's going to to have another say-so offensively in, in where this series goes uh, with the Tampa Bay Rays. The 1999 National League MVP, the great Chipper Jones, is joining us this morning on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zoom. And last thing for you, and this just seems apropos because uh, we've talked about all teams except for one, the one team, the little engine that could, that continues to do it. How in the world are the Tampa Bay Rays on the brink of the World Series and getting their Chipper by knocking off the Yankees and the Astros back-to-back? Well, I saw this team in spring training when I was down messing around with the Braves in spring training. And with that pitching staff from top to bottom, starters, relievers, um, if they, I said if they could score enough runs, I'd like them to win the World Series. I had them and the Dodgers in the World Series with the Rays beating the Dodgers. Sorry, Key. Um, <laughs> but uh, this team analytically is light years ahead of every other team in baseball. Um, they have a very low payroll. I think um, game one, I want to say Jose Altuve was making more money than the, than the entire starting lineup for the Tampa Bay Rays. So they have to do everything perfectly. They are fundamentally sound. Just as I said, the Dodgers are probably the most complete team. The Tampa Bay Rays are the most fundamentally sound team. They play great defense. They have great pitching. If they can score enough runs, three, four, five runs a game, I don't see too many teams beating them in, a, in any series. Chipper, I totally agree with you. They're one of the most innovative teams baseball has ever seen. The, the prospect of the opener, throwing a closer out there for a few innings to start a game, doing whatever they need to do, doing more with less. Great to have you here this morning. Enjoy both games today, Chipper. Thank you. Let's go Dodgers. <laughs> Thanks, Chip. Thanks, guys. Y'all take it easy. All, All right, right, brother. We got it. The great Chipper Jones. Let's go Braves for him. Well, there's, one, there's one thing he's right about. What's can't it? have it both ways, right? Only one champion. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. After seeing Chipper, I know people can't see him while they're driving, man. He makes me want to do some push-ups, yeah. man. He is jacked. Playing weight and looking good. Either I go with Dusty Baker or I go with the Dodgers. 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 <laughs> Dusty Baker, baseball's oldest manager. Everybody rooting for him to try to get that World Series title. Last connection, Andrew Friedman, the guy that built the Rays into the power that they are, now running Keys. Dodgers. So that would be a kind of a cool World Series Rays. Key just cares of the Dodgers. Well, no, it nothing. would be cool. But, you know, you, you in these situations, man, when you – I watched Dusty Baker play as a Dodger. Sure. I was a kid throwing bubble yum out to his – out in left field. Oh, yeah. So I remember all those sort of things. Sure. But then I also remember him as a manager. And if it wasn't if it wasn't for the Los Angeles Angels, he probably would have a championship by now. Right. That's when he was with the San Francisco Giants. Guys, we got some breaking news coming in. Wow. Jay, as we said, if it if the day ends in why, we're gonna have some positive tests. The Falcons are shutting down their facility mm. after multiple positive tests. That according to Adam Schefter. Adam is gonna join us on the way with the late breaking details on what's going on in Flowery Branch, Georgia, right where the Falcons facility is the next team that has been struck by the coronavirus. The NFL's insider, the best one in the business, is on the way. 
We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Let's get right to the phone line. Adam is here. Good morning. Adam, set the scene. What do we know? What more can you add? Latest, the Falcons had, I'm told, four positive tests this morning, four. And so each particular case that the league has dealt with has been different. But I think when you get four positive tests, I think it's fair to say that that calls into question whether that game versus the Vikings on Sunday can and will happen. Now, the NFL has used Monday and Tuesday as a way to push back and postpone games. They've used other weeks. You'd have to look at the schedule. Remember, on Sunday, the NFL rescheduled eight different games and came up with a variety of combinations. And so we'll see how the league decides to handle this one. Adam, Atlanta does play Minnesota this weekend. What do you think the status of that game will be? Will they move it or will they postpone it? Key, too early to say. I just think it's fair to say that that game right now would be in jeopardy. If this were one single test, like the Falcons had a few weeks back with A.J. Terrell, They were able to play the game. He went on reserve COVID-19, and the game went on. This is four tests, and we don't know who those four tests of those four people, who they were in close proximity with. And so the league will go through contact tracing now, try to figure out who they were around, how this happened, why there were four positive tests. I would think when you get multiple positive tests, I think it's fair to say, at the very least, it sounds like the game on Sunday would be in jeopardy. That's the safest thing to say right now. Chef, the contact tracing would say that the Falcons just played the Panthers, who are in intensive protocol. What does that mean for them? <laughs> it's a great point, Jay. I, I, again, literally the news came down 10 minutes ago. So I'd love to have all the answers to all these questions, <laughs> but it's literally transpiring as we speak. And I understand all the questions. It makes a lot of sense. But... We're going to go through everything here this morning. The league's going to go through everything. The Players Association is going to go through everything and figure out where and when this started. I don't have that just yet. I'm waiting for that information to still come in. Quickly, Adam, just just for listeners and viewers that may not be familiar with the term intensive protocol. We know what those two words mean independently, but what does being in intensive protocol mean? It means that there's going to be, again, distinct looks at where these players have been. It means that the players will undergo... Uh, additional testing again right away. It means that they'll be subject to intensive protocols to make sure that the spread is contained. Look, the NFL has always known that there were going to be players, coaches, employees of teams who tested positive. That's not a surprise. The league is expected and prepared for this all along. I think the league's goal is to understand when it does happen, how it can be contained, where it came from, what can the league do to curtail the spread of it so that the games can go on, so that the players and employees can be safe, so that everything can be kept in check while that's happening. 
Mm. Last thing I just want to mention quickly before Adam heads out the door. This is obviously the number one story in the NFL right now. The number one story was, of course, the injury to Dak Prescott. And this week on the Adam Schefter podcast, Adam talks to Connor Barwin, who had the exact same injury Dak is dealing with. We'll get a different perspective there. Adam will be on NFL Live at 4 Eastern today, all throughout the day on SportsCenter as he continues to following this breaking story. Adam, thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks a lot, Adam. Thank you, man. Have a great day. Okay. Same Thanks, to you, Chef, Adam. That's the NFL's best insider. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin brought to you by Shell. Get more time to listen to our show by going to Shell and getting three things done at once. First, fill up with Shell V-Power Nitro Plus. Then save up with the Fuel Rewards Program. Finally, snack up to save even more at the pump. Make the most of the stop you need to make with Shell. Jay, we mentioned it. You said it every single day. Just prepare for it. And here we are again now, the Atlanta Falcons. Well, even to break down what intensive protocol actually means. So a list of things here. Coaches may not have any in-person meetings in a room smaller than a full team room. Mm -hmm. Only 10 players may work out in a weight room with maximum of five staff members. So it's this whole litany of all these smaller rules. The question is, it's a series of ebb and flows. I mean, just things you have to react so fast to this. And now – the next game for the Panthers, they're about to play the Bears. Right. So then what do you do about that game? Right. Keeping in mind that the Falcons just played the Panthers, so Carolina is there. They're about to play Minnesota. Minnesota had the outbreak together with the Titans. Remember that? Everything is a trickle-down effect. It's all connected. Right. I mean, you're not going to be able to separate anything. One team plays another team who came off playing another team who's eventually going to play another team. That's just – that's what it is. The NFL knew when – they made the decision to move forward mm-hmm. with playing games and start the season that these things could come up. But they were not going to give any definitive answers on the way that they were going to handle it. Everything was going to be on parallel tracks. And so far, I mean, you got to admit the NFL has done a pretty good job, I mean, in terms of handling the entire situation. Right, and you have to hold it up. The onus is on the players, right? The league can only do so much. The onus well, is on the players. But it, 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 The onus is on the players, but we don't know – where it's coming from, we, we it's invincible. Like we, guy, you could do everything the right way, and still contract the virus, or be reckless and not get it, uh, or, or be reckless and and not get it. I mean, you just you don't know. No, this is don't. what always makes me very apprehensive about saying that we're going to complete the season. I mean, I know you said, yeah, we are going to complete the season. They'll keep moving it back and keep moving it back. Absolutely, but it, it just, I mean, you're going to have these are going to be continuous. And I know people don't like hearing about it, um, but this is going to happen for the next several months. And keep in mind that the NFL has reserved and beyond. the NFL has reserved Raymond James Stadium, which is the home of the Bucks and the place that Super Bowl Fifty Five will be contested. They've reserved it all throughout February. And obviously, I'm not going out on a limb here to say there aren't going to be any large gatherings taking place at Raymond James Stadium. <laughs> moving on after that, so the league can continue to probably hold stead. Think, think about it. They just canceled the Pro Bowl. That's a week that they now can play with Correct. if they want to move some stuff around. You know, so they know what they're doing. I'm not worried about them. We'll have to wait to see what Dr. Alan Sills, he's the NFL's chief medical officer in conjunction with Roger Goodell. But if you're just joining us, the big story, four positive tests in the Falcons facility. Adam Schefter saying it's not sure if they're coaches, staff members, actual players. He's continuing to work the story. We'll follow it all morning long to give you the very latest details. Still to come. COVID, as I mentioned, attacking T-Town and the ATL in all letters in between. We'll have much more on both breaking stories next. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.